There you go. Four punch, five punch, six punch combination. Body shot, body shot. Bang, 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 bang. Telling him not to counter punch. Welcome, fight fans. It is time for the main event of the week. It is the Fight City Podcast, episode 34. Well, not quite the main event of the week. We're dealing with the Clash of the Dunes on Saturday, Joshua versus Ruiz 2, the rematch of one of the biggest upsets in the last 20 years, uh, especially in heavyweight boxing. Anthony Joshua coming off his first career loss to Andy Ruiz, who pulled off the upset despite staggering odds. I think he was an 11-1 to underdog, maybe as much as a 15-1 to underdog. Clearly, clearly shocking the world in Madison Square Garden. Now they face off again in Diria, Saudi Arabia. A own stadium has been made for this fight. Uh, a lot of people are very upset about the location for this fight, and for good reason. Uh, Saudi Arabia has its share of human rights issues, to say the least, um, and uh, and I'll probably stop on that discussion there before we get into too much of a political podcast. But anyways, it's going to take place in Saudi Arabia. Uh, unfortunately, um, it couldn't take place in the U.S., uh, where it would be more accessible for great boxing writers uh, and also boxing fans to see. And... Uh, yeah, this this podcast though is going to take a deep dive into not the politics of the event, but the prediction for the fight itself, which is a very fascinating matchup, and uh, we'll be segmented. It's not it's going to be me and Michael Carver. He's going to come on a little bit after me, but uh, I'll give my take up front. So, first of all, Andy Ruiz coming in today, weighing in at a career high uh, weight. He weighed in at. 276 pounds, I believe. He weighed in almost 20 pounds heavier than he did in uh, than he did in his last fight against Joshua in Madison Square Garden. Uh, he's also outweighing Anthony Joshua by almost 40 pounds. Anthony Joshua came in a lot lighter than he did in his last fight against Ruiz. He clearly shaved off a lot of the muscle mass that some have postulated might have been attributable to his lack of mobility against Andy Ruiz. It's a fair point. Joshua is uh, hes definitely probably overly built. A lot of people compare him to Adonis <laughs> uh, in his stature. It's a pretty commonly heard thing when you're talking about Anthony Joshua, this perfectly sculpted fighter. And he's still pretty ripped, but he has definitely lost some weight. And... Um, Despite everything else, he's still a 2-1 to one favorite to win back his title tomorrow night. Uh, I personally think people are not giving Ruiz the credit he deserves. I think the same people that underestimated Ruiz because they didn't follow his career closely enough before the Joshua fight in June are thinking that Joshua is better than he actually is. They, they're thinking that Anthony Joshua just suffered a fluke loss. You heard Bob Arum a while back saying, that wasn't Joshua. Well, you know what? That was not what Eddie Hearn was saying right after the fight. He said in the post-fight press conference to myself and everyone else that he would love to be up there giving valid excuses for Joshua's performance. But he could not because Joshua came in knowing the risk, knowing Andy Ruiz was a top-notch fighter, a fighter that almost beat Joseph Parker for a title. Joseph Parker, as I noted beforehand, uh, was a guy that gave... Joshua, good fight. So really on paper, 
there was no reason why Andy Ruiz was not a live dog. And a lot of boxing insiders did view him as a live dog. Of course, hardly any of us thought he was going to win the fight. But when you really look back at it, and when you look at some of the fights leading up to it, Anthony Joshua, he was masking some real serious technical vulnerabilities behind his explosive knockout power. And that's unfortunately the nature of the game. You know, we live in a sport right now where fighters, uh, fans are more results-oriented than ever. We got, you know, the example of Floyd Mayweather, brilliant fighter, but what draws some of his fans is the numbers. He is 50-0. and 0. What draws some of Deontay Wilder's fans, I'm not saying Deontay Wilder is a bad fighter. I'm a huge fan of Wilder, is just his spectacular manner in which he demolishes his, op- his opposition. People don't often look beneath the surface of, a, of an undefeated record, of a dynamic knockout puncher, and, and really look at some of these uh, subtleties that can be hidden underneath the surface behind a record or, or a knockout uh, streak. So for Joshua, what we saw in his Poviekin fight, Alexander Poviekin, who he took on in his fight right before uh, Andy Ruiz, is this is a guy who has a very hard time using his physical attributes to his advantage. You know, we're we're dealing with a guy who is six foot six, has all the reason in the world to be as dominant uh, as Lennox Lewis and um, Vladimir Klitschko before him, who just could completely neutralize their opponents uh, with their size. You saw Lennox Lewis completely neutralize David Tua with his size. Vladimir Klitschko completely neutralized Alexander Pobiekin, for example, with his size. And then you see guys like Anthony Joshua, who's probably just as uh, just as well polished as both of them, not able to simply control fights at the end of his jab. Is a very weak jab, to say the least. I mean, his punches are very well polished, but he does not know how to control distance. He allows guys like Poviekin to easily work their way inside of his defenses. Guys like Andy Ruiz to easily out jab them. I, I mean, watching the fight again, I was surprised how easily Andy Ruiz is out jabbing Joshua, landing it to the body of the head, getting inside easily. You know, Joshua, these are some of the intangibles, learning how to control distance and use your size, that are not taught in six months. Okay, so Joshua could lose that muscle mass in six months, no problem. Uh, I mean, obviously, a lot of hard work went into that, and be a more mobile fighter. And, and maybe do a better job because of it. And maybe even be more mentally focused. But the things that I really believe held him back in their first fight in June, I don't think can be easily corrected by trainer Robert McCracken in six months. You know, Emmanuel Stewart, for example, the monsters he's turned Lennox Lewis and Vladimir Klitschko, rest in peace, Emmanuel Stewart, by the way, or the monster he turned Lennox Lewis and Vladimir Klitschko into, that was not a six-month project. You know, he got Vladimir Klitschko after Klitschko lost both to Corey Sanders and Lehman Brewster. He took on the Klitschko case, took him on, uh, I I believe, early 05, uh, before the Sam Peter fight, maybe Alicio Castillo. And Klitschko didn't become the dominant heavyweight that he was for almost a decade until late 2006 or against Chris Bird. That was the start of it. That's when he started, you know, it took it took a year or two to get him in the position uh, that he that he was where, you know, no one could get inside of him. Lennox Lewis, for example, when when Lennox Lewis was first taken on by um, Emmanuel Stewart, he was coming off a knockout loss against 
Oliver McCall. He was also uh, struggled to uh, win a lot of rounds against Frank Bruno and ultimately prevailed with natural athleticism and power. But it wasn't until, you know, really uh, probably the Holyfield fights that Lennox Lewis could completely control smaller fighters with his size. And you really saw that, as I mentioned earlier, against David Tua. You know, that wasn't the case before with Emmanuel, with, uh, without Emmanuel Stewart. So with Joshua, I think the key to victory, uh, if he's going to be able to compete at this level, particularly beat Andy Ruiz, uh, he might need a new trainer. Nothing against Robert McCracken, but he might need a new face in there, or at least a, a new trainer in the camp. And he needs more time to work on specifically what bedeviled him in the garden in his U.S. homecoming, not homecoming, what am I saying, in his uh, first U.S. appearance back in June. You know, I, I think mentally he might come in more determined, but there's also a mental weakness in there that he's facing a guy that knocked him out and humiliated him in front of the whole world back in June. You know, he, he's, going, he's going in a fight where he has everything to lose potentially. Uh, he has, he, he needs to win this fight to salvage his career, at least in the short run. Because in this day and age, a loss is so horrible for anybody because boxing fans are the way they are. You know, I don't, I don't like it either, but you can't really lose at that level with the level of social media criticism and harassment that you'll face and expect to come back uh, a serious name. It, it's difficult. And Joshua would have a hard time finding his way back to the upper echelon of the division if he loses twice to Andy Ruiz. So he knows he's got to win this fight. Uh, he also knows that he's got to do it by staying away from a guy's power that was very difficult to elude in the first fight. You know, every the, the, his biggest moment in the first fight was immediately succeeded by being dropped to the canvas by a counter left hook followed up by a combination. So what he's got to do, uh, I think, is too tall of an order for him to do on a six-month uh, period. You know, I think Joshua's career, uh, unfortunately, he... It got off, uh, I think he was rushed a little bit. I think um, uh, his knockout power and, uh, you know, his charisma, his good looks, his physique, everything, you know, I think they masked uh, some of the things that should have been developed a little bit further. I mean, I think the Dillian White fight was a perfect fight at that stage of his career. He got rocked, you know, he lost, he, he came in, uh, he, he came in without the jab. He got countered by a left hook by the smaller fighter. That shouldn't have happened. He should have had time to learn from that fight develop into a better fighter, not win a title against Prince Charles Martin, but instead have several more fights and then eventually, you know, take on uh, fighters of, of a higher caliber. And then, you know, with the intention in mind to get rid of some of these technical shortcomings, but that wasn't the way his career panned out. He became a superstar instead, made a ton of money. Great for him. But, you know, the reality of the situation is that now he's going to have to reverse engineer the issues that he uh, previously didn't fix. And in six months, I, I don't think he's going to be able to do it. I think he's going to put a better effort. I think he's going to uh, definitely focus on trying to keep Ruiz outside and, and take less risk as a result and and, um, um, and and win more rounds maybe earlier. But there's also the mental aspect of, you know, he's talking like he, you know, one of them is going to get knocked out. Andy Ruiz, surprisingly, is the one that says if the knockout comes, it comes. I was surprised Anthony Joshua sounded like he wanted this was going to be a war. I mean, maybe that's a mental game, but if he thinks this is going to be a war, that implies he's going to mix it up, which is the worst thing he can do, in my opinion, against Andy Ruiz, who is faster than him, who is smarter than him inside, and it's just 
susceptible to uh, landing punches that Joshua does not see coming. And um, it would be a long night. It'd be a risky night for Joshua if he does that. On the other hand, that also gives him the best chance to utilize his best attribute, which is his punching power. Joshua is one of the biggest punchers in the heavyweight division. And more than that, he is a guy who could really crack and really put together crisp, well-educated combinations. He's a very good offensive fighter. Unfortunately, uh, he does that at the expense of getting of losing his height, not controlling distance properly. You know, he doesn't fight like a guy who's six six and has the reach that he does. He fights like uh, a guy that's much much smaller and and knows how to crack inside. Uh, and unfortunately, he's just not built to have that kind of speed. Um, both in his hands and feet. And I think Ruiz would get under his punches and counter effectively and, and maybe even knock him out again if that's how he comes out. My prediction for the fight, <clears throat> I think Ruiz will win one way or another. I think he's going to win a decision this time. Uh, a competitive fight, not a lopsided decision. Maybe 116-111. I think he's going to score at least one knockdown. Uh, probably win seven to eight rounds in there, maybe even more. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if Ruiz gets him out late. Or if Joshua, you know, is fighting stupid again or is fighting emotionally charged, which is a possibility given um, given his recent interviews and what I've gathered um, from what he said, which I could be completely wrong. Uh, I, Ruiz could repeat what happened in June and, and score a knockout uh, by the seventh round or even earlier uh, if, if that happens because Ruiz is a very dangerous puncher. Uh, more than that, he's just... He strings them together very well. Uh, I, I think it's a very fascinating matchup because Joshua is still a big puncher, and Ruiz was hurt and knocked down by Joshua before. Joshua has the power to hurt him. You know, he's still clearly in the fight in terms of having a puncher's chance. But in terms of winning the fight as uh, the technically superior fighter, I don't think he has it in him at this stage in his career. I think he still has a lot of work to do to become the kind of fighter needed to be able to outbox an Andy Ruiz for 12 rounds. Surely he could keep him on the outside of the jab, win some rounds like he did in the first fight, first couple rounds. But I, I think Andy Ruiz uh, is technically superior to him right now. And without getting knocked out, by a huge shot by Joshua, which is a definite possibility in there. I think Andy Ruiz will either win a decision or he'll win by knockout again in the Clash of the Dunes on Saturday. And all right, so now next up, we're going to have Michael Carbert, the editor-in-chief of the Fight City, doing his separate prediction of what's going to happen Saturday. And I will pass it over to Mike. Expect a tough, clean fight. Protect yourself at all times. Any questions in the challenge? First, Alden, I think a few words need to be said about where this fight is taking place. The big rematch between Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz Jr. is taking place in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Who would have foreseen that? This came out of the blue this past August. And, at least for most of us, it was a big surprise. And there's only one reason why this fight is happening in Saudi Arabia. It's because this immensely rich country gave Eddie Hearn a $40 million site fee. So $40 million up front to stage the fight in Saudi Arabia. 
And um, I, for one, have difficulty with the fact that a very rich and powerful country that engages in all kinds of human rights abuses is using boxing to make people forget about what it is guilty of. I mean, there are those who say, this is nothing new. Come on, boxing has had its dealings in the past with corrupt nations. Uh, big fights have been staged all over the world in all kinds of places. Uh, some people bring up, for example, the Rumble in the Jungle, 1974, when Muhammad Ali fought George Foreman in Zaire, uh, a country run by a man named Mobutu. And we can recall that President Mobutu was no angel. Uh, it was not a democracy. This was not a country worry, worried about human rights. But this is not the same type of thing. Yes, there have been nations like Zaire uh, looking for attention, looking for legitimacy, and open to the opportunity of staging a big fight in order to gain that. But this is not the same thing. Saudi Arabia doesn't need attention. Saudi Arabia doesn't need legitimacy. Saudi Arabia doesn't need to be taken more seriously on the world stage. What it needs, what it wants, is for people to forget about all the blood on its hands. This is, in fact, one of the richest nations on the planet. And it enjoys active support from other rich and powerful nations. And it uses its power to repress, imprison, and torture its own citizens, to ignore international law, to murder journalists, and to wage war. And Eddie Hearn is allowing Saudi Arabia to use boxing to normalize this, to make it seem okay. And as someone who cares about boxing, I am not indifferent to that. One of our columnists, uh, Ralph M. Semyon, when the fight was first announced back in August, he wrote a column for us, and the title was, Eddie Hearn Has No Morals. And if I may, I won't read the whole column, but I would like to quote uh, some of the choice sentences, some of the points that Ralph makes. Uh, because I, I do think this is an important issue. So before we talk about the fight, let's just get this dealt with. So to quote Ralph, knowing what the world knows about the complicity of Saudi Arabia in the murder of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi, I can only conclude that Eddie Hearn has no morals. In addition to the Khashoggi murder and to the country's imprisoning, torturing, and executing its own citizens, 
For years now, Saudi Arabia has pursued one of the bloodiest conflicts in the world with the neighboring country of Yemen. Recent figures show that conflict's death toll is approaching the 100,000 mark, and the overwhelming majority of those casualties are civilians, men, women, and children. In denouncing the decision to stage Ruiz versus Joshua II in Saudi Arabia, Amnesty International cited the murder of Khashoggi and the ongoing war in Yemen and stated that this rematch, quote, will be yet another opportunity for the Saudi authorities to sport wash their severely tarnished image and distract the world from the nation's ongoing human rights abuses. Ralph then goes on to say that, quote, Eddie Hearn seems all too willing to oblige Saudi Arabia without scruples of any kind. Who knows, maybe my morality would be for sale too if a $40 million site fee was put in front of me. But I like to think otherwise. I like to think our conscience and our personal integrity, not our bank accounts, must come first. The fact is this rematch is a major attraction wherever it happens, would be a success wherever it happens. Hearn doesn't need to stage this bout in Saudi Arabia. He is choosing to. And by making that choice, he's revealing who he really is as a man. My protest, says Ralph, is just one person's opinion, but this is based on real events, facts, the truth, not to mention morality. I would love it if my readers were to join me in this pro protest and not buy this fight. But of course that's for individuals to decide. We all have to take responsibility for our own morality. Meanwhile, it appears Eddie Hearn has none. Now that's a summation of Ralph's entire column. You can find it on the website entitled, Eddie Hearn Has No Morals. And I am in complete agreement with everything Ralph writes in that piece. And um, I just think before we talk about the fight itself, uh, let's be honest about this. It's problematic. This is, this is not the same as past incidents where championship fights have taken place in uh, is on Joshua's shoulders, not Andy Ruiz. And um, I just, that when I think about this fight, unlike pretty much everyone I've spoken to, I have great difficulty seeing Joshua reversing the outcome. I think the fight may be more competitive. Um, I think Joshua may land some, some more quality shots on Ruiz. 
So it may be a, a much more competitive fight and it may go the distance. But I still envision Ruiz being the one who's quicker, who's, who's more comfortable, who's going to be letting his hands go. He's going he's gonna to be first. And we saw that Joshua can be hurt and hurt badly. It won't, I won't be shocked if that happens again. So, again, I'm, I, I find it hard to shake all these opinions I've heard, all these people predicting a, a, a victory for Anthony Joshua. Um, but when I do my own analysis, I have to give the edge to Andy Ruiz Jr. I believe what I saw in the first fight. I don't think it was a fluke. And I think everyone underestimated Ruiz. The fact of the matter is he's a very talented boxer. And I think his style and his skill set create real problems for Joshua. Uh, again, I expect a, a more competitive fight. But I got to go with Andy Ruiz Jr. Uh, making it two in a row over Anthony Joshua. I'm going to say Ruiz by late round TKO. And next up, we're going to have heavyweight contender Simon Keane from Montreal giving his prediction on Joshua Ruiz 2. So, I'm with Simon Keane, who's got a big fight coming up on December 7th at the Bell Center. Since you're a heavyweight, there's another big heavyweight fight coming up. The rematch between Anthony Joshua and... Uh, Andy Ruiz. Yeah, Andy Ruiz. What is your take on that rematch? You think it's going to be a different result, different yeah. outcome? Yeah, I think I'm just going to beat him. Yeah? yeah? For sure, yeah. Just... Just, it was just an upset last, last fight, but I think this, this time he's going to beat him. Really, he's... So you really feel that the first fight was yeah. kind of a mistake? Yeah. It's more Joshua Joshua not being prepared? No, it was being prepared, but mentally he was not prepared for this fight. Uh -huh. That's what I thought. Uh -huh. What do you think is the key for him doing better in the second fight? What's he got to do differently? He just just gonna go in the ring like focus like me and didn't come in the first time ah. I'm sure it's gonna be uh, walking apart so not this time he's gonna he's gonna be mentally really prepared and uh, I, th I really think Joshua's gonna beat him hazy so uh, for our listeners who aren't, who aren't familiar with this the this situation is reminding you of your rivalry with uh, Dylan Carmen, yeah, exactly. and Dylan Carmen knocked you out in the yeah. first fight. Yeah. But then, what? You weren't you weren't properly focused mentally, and you yeah. were for the rematch. Yeah. The tell next me tell me what you did differently to prepare for the rematch. Um, um, first, I was training like I never did. I was training really, really hard, but uh, <clears throat> but mentally, um, I was uh, really uh, was. Not sure I'm gonna win that fight. So the first time I was sure it's gonna be a hazy fight. You know, a lot of lots of people told me it's gonna be a hazy walking the park. So I believe it. But not this time. I, I have to win. Uh, when I go, when I went in the ring, 
I went like I, like I'm really focused and I just want to beat him and then that's not going to be hazy so the the like the men, mental game matter most is the most important yeah And next up, we have another prediction on Joshua versus Ruiz from Montreal. Unbeaten heavyweight, 9-0, 9 by knockout, Arslanbek Makhmudov. Next up. So as a heavyweight, okay, I imagine you saw the first fight between Anthony Joshua and uh, Ruiz. Right? Big upset. Uh, so they're going to have their rematch coming up. What do you think is going to happen the second time? Second time, I think uh, Joshua uh, need to be more focused for the fight, no more focus for because last last fight, uh, I think Joshua don't have you know focus. This guy, you know, like uh, not think, uh, not this guy, no feel danger, you know, no feel dangerous, no feel nothing. This guy, this guy, think about the uh, Wilder, you know, you know that's why this. To have lose focus, that's why I think now uh, rematch need to be more better. I think I think like that. More motivated. More, yeah, more, 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 uh, more, more focus, more, uh, more strong, more everything be better. I think because uh, Joshua, Joshua good boxer, Ruiz good boxer too. But uh, Joshua have another level, I think. More, you know. What do you think, uh, technically, strategically, is the key thing that he has to change in terms of what he does? Is it keeping Ruiz at a distance or exactly. coming forward? No, I think uh, Joshua. In, uh, last fight, no work, uh, more, uh, no use a jab, you know, no use a jab. Uh, I don't know why. I think this fight, this guy, uh, gonna be more used uh, jab. Uh, yes, keep distance exactly, and uh, and the counter attack. It's, it's simple, you know. For this, for this boxer, uh, no need, you know, like uh, be, you know, be smart, you know. This, this, uh, if you tall guy, it's it's guy. A small guy, you need to just use it more jab in mm -hmm. the moment, good moment, uh, right hand, you know, like when you watch simple. when you watch these uh, top heavyweights, yeah. Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. When you watch these top guys yourself, yeah. naturally you're thinking, what can I do against them, right? How do you feel? Do you feel like you're almost ready for that level, or do you think you have a ways to go? Yes, I feel already. I, f I ready now. I can. I feel I can win this guy. Everybody, you know. But uh, I need uh, time, you know, like uh, for go for for rating, go for top, you know. Like I have just uh, night fight, right? Night fight. This uh, need more fight, you know. Little bit uh, time. One, two year maybe. Three maximum, I think. I, I really, yeah. So for you, it's 
you feel like you're ready, but at the same time you need a little more experience? Need more experience because I don't have uh, like uh, like you know ten round, you know, just for this for for experience for for feeling you know. Uh, long distance you know just for when this. you say you feel like you're ready I guess what you mean is that you feel like if you had the chance if you were put in the ring you think you could hold your own right you you feel like you could maybe even knock the guy out right yes I feel uh, I feel I, I, I'm ready now yeah because yeah, you know because it's not this this uh, this sport, you know, heavyweight, if you have good punch, you have chance, you know. Yeah. Yes. That's it. Out of those top guys, Joshua, Wilder, Fury, which one do you think is the most dangerous? Uh, I think dangerous, uh, more dangerous, Dayton Wilder, mm -hmm. because this guy fast. Uh, this guy have a good quality fast, because there's not big, uh, like... Uh, Joshua, not big like heavyweight, you know. This guy, like cruiserweight, you know. Yeah, this, yeah. Like, that's why this guy's fast, this guy more dangerous. Yeah. Because for heavyweight, it's, uh, it's dangerous. If, if, if you if you fast, if you have speed, it's dangerous for any heavyweight, you know. It's problem for any heavyweight. Wilder gets criticized a lot because he doesn't have much technique. Uh, but his power, I guess, makes up for it, in, in your view? Yes, this guy uh, have just no big technique, maybe, but, but have just right hand, long and fast. Uh -huh. This is... Uh, I think if I... Uh, if, if you have good uh, defense, if you... If you, like... Uh, I know, you know, you know that this guy do just right hand. That's why, uh, Did Tyson Fury expose him a little bit, though? Tyson Fury, I don't like this. Uh, like I mean, I don't like boxing Tyson Fury because Tyson Fury too much, too much weight, you know. Uh, I think for me, Tyson Fury lose this fight. Okay. Yeah. Do you prefer you prefer a fighter who comes to rumble, comes to no, this because this guy took time and go down, right? Right. Yes. Okay. This guy, this guy like uh, just just did uh, just punch, you know. Right. Yeah, just just uh, jab. Yeah. Not continue, you know. Not uh, just move. It. You you know, you can all fight move. Yeah. For win, you know. You don't give points for moving. Yeah, you, you give points you, if, for punching. Yeah, you need to. Yeah. If, if you move, if you move, you need punch to, you need to, like uh, fight, you know. Uh -huh. Great, thank you very much. And next up, we have former WBO world champion Otis Grant, now running a boxing gym out of Quebec. He's going to be giving his assessment of Joshua Ruiz, too. I'm here with Otis Grant, former world champ, co-owner of the famous Grant Brothers Gym in Montreal. And I want to get your take on the rematch Anthony Joshua, Joshua versus Ruiz too. What's your take? Well, you know what? I, like I, 
I think if Joshua don't win the rematch, then like he's in a lot of trouble. Like, um, like I think he should have won the first fight. Um, like you know, everybody thought he was gonna win the first fight. That's probably one of the biggest upset in heavyweight boxing history. I know there's been a few of them: Buster Douglas, uh, Mike Tyson. That, that that's like on the same scale uh, of what an upset that fight was. But you know, there's stuff that came out after the fight that he was knocked out in training camp, and uh, you know, he was in Miami training. He got knocked out in, in sparring. His father wanted to stop the fight from moving forward, but they couldn't because there was all committed and all that. So. So I heard after the fight when when his father ran into the ring and he was he was lighting somebody up like cause he knew that Eddie his, Hearn, yeah, I think. that his son was hurt and shouldn't be in the ring but like you know I, I my personal opinion on on the first fight is I think that uh, I think that Joshua took this guy too lightly he thought he thought it was gonna be a walk in the park and this sport you can never take your opponent light cause when you know, you're saying, oh, it's an easy fight. That guy is on the other side of the coin saying, shit, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. So he's going to do what he's got to do to get in shape to be the best he can be on that night. And that's what Ruiz was at that night. He was good. He was quick. He was there. You know, he wasn't a guy that's going to... That's why I thought this guy looks like Santa Claus. I'm going to hit him. He's going to fall down. The fight's going to be over. And, uh, and that didn't happen. So I think if Joshua takes this guy seriously... And do proper training, and, and he's not in fun in the sun, Miami partying and training all at the same time. Then I think he he, he should be able to to you know recapture his title and uh, get redemption on <coughs> on that loss because that, that was a terrible loss. Yeah. Are you any chance though we're selling Ruiz short? I mean, he he definitely no, no, showed he's got skills, Ruiz's hand got speed. Skills. He's got he's quick. He he has some of the fastest uh, hands that I see out there on any heavyweight. You know, so it's just that he doesn't look like a prototype boxer. You know, yeah. you you don't, you don't look at this guy and and think he's he, he he's a heavyweight. He's a boxer, much less a heavyweight champion in the world. You know, just because of his physique. But that's and I think that's where Joshua went wrong the first time. He saw this guy and said, "Oh, it's an easy fight, and uh, I don't have to work too hard to get by this guy." And I and he 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 was the guy at the end of the fight that was was shocked and amazed because this guy was there. This guy came to fight. This guy beat him. Well, okay. So if you're picking Joshua to win the rematch, what do you think is the key? What's he got to do differently from the first fight that can ensure that that he'll get that win? You know, from from what I remember from the first fight, he, he he was a little bit lethargic. You know, he wasn't putting his punches together. He's got to be a little bit sharper. He's got to take his opponent more serious, and he's got to be like I think if he fights the way he can fight, you know, working the body. Luis got to be soft in the body, working the body, working off the jab, doubling the jab. Luis is shorter than he is, and uh, making it difficult for this guy to come in and hit him. I don't think he should have any problems. I don't think he should. I didn't think he would have any problems in in the first fight. But you know, because of what whatever may or circumstances were on his side, like it just wasn't his night, and he didn't look like he was prepared. You brought up the fact that uh, Joshua may have been knocked out in sparring during training. You had a long career, both amateur and pro. Did that ever happen to you before a fight? No, not really. I mean, I've I've gotten like you know cut my let's say a swollen eye that kind of stuff that caused the fight to be delayed or postponed or cancelled but uh but never knocked out in training like weeks before a fight you know that that, that that's never happened and also like 
when you're in training camp, yeah, you're training camp your first couple of weeks, first couple of parents sessions, hard, like uh, trying to get there, trying to get the tone of the guys you're working with and trying to figure them out. And then once 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 you get by the first week or two of sparring, like you know, it, it, it's it's pretty downhill from there. Like like you're doing the work, but you know what your opponents, what the guys that you're working with, what they have to bring. So. Like, it's not as difficult. And then as camp goes on, you taper back your work. So you cut down your sparring. You, you'll go from maybe eight, ten rounds, like, um, with, like, three weeks, four weeks left in, in camp to down to, like, six rounds of sparring, you know? like, And then you do the rest of your work on the bag and all that. But, like, in the beginning of the camp, when I used to do the camps, my main sparring was in the beginning of camp, not not towards the end, right, right. near the fight. I don't, I never, like, sometimes a week, two weeks before, a fight, I wouldn't spar. I, I yeah. got my work in. I'd run, I'd hit the bag, I'd hit the mitts. Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't take the chance of, so of if sparring that close to the fight and getting injured, you know? So, if you, so in other words, if you manage your training camp properly, that shouldn't happen. And for you, it didn't happen. No, it never did. Yeah, yeah. So you're picking uh, Joshua to get the rematch win. Uh, distance or stoppage? Well, you know what? It, it, it would be nice to see him uh, get a stoppage on, uh, on Ruiz. I don't know if Ruiz has ever been stopped. Um, but he's he's a good guy. He's got good hand speed. Uh, like I don't know. Like if he, I just think that if Joshua don't win this fight, his career is gonna be downhill from here. It's gonna be over. Yeah. So if he doesn't win the rematch, like if he wants to redeem himself from that first fight, he's gotta win. He's gotta win convincingly. And by winning con convincingly, he's gotta knock him out. Thanks, Otis. Perfect. That just about wraps it up for episode 34 of the Fight City podcast. Uh, everybody, I hope, is going to have a great time watching the Clash of the Dunes tomorrow. I hope it's a great heavyweight battle. Uh, hopefully it provides just a quarter, or at least, of the drama that it did in June in their first fight. One of the biggest shocks in the last 20 years. But that just about sums it up for this episode. We will see you next time.